0: is all about that. When love takes you in, it changes everything. I want to introduce to you someone, actually a couple, that some of you will know, they've been around Timberline for a while, and uh, that is David and Nancy Stice. If they would just come and join me up here, we're going to uh, we're gonna chat for a while. I've enjoyed just the opportunity to, um, to learn more about the journey that people are on. We're in a series, if you're new to Wednesday nights, called Living Brave. And uh, we've been talking about what that looks like, what it means, and it expresses itself. Give them a hand, will you, as they just come up here. and Bless your heart. Hey, <laughs> good to see you, buddy. Bless you. Go ahead and take that mic. And Nancy, let me give you this one. We've been in this series um, talking about what does it mean to, to really living brave boils down to obeying God and doing what God puts in your heart to do. And God always calls us to something that's bigger than we are. He always calls us to something that, that in our own strength and abilities and talents and even our gifts we could never accomplish apart from Him. And, and we've, we've listened to all different kinds of stories. And I've been excited about this night and to, to learn the story of the Stice family. Many of you know that story. How long have you guys been a part of Timberline? Do you know? Be Rachel, almost Rachel? 19 years. No, not, no, not that, not that No, Rachel was the Rachel was two or three, so she's 17, so probably about maybe 15. 15 years. Yeah. So a long time. Yeah. And uh, th- this is a family of 10, I guess total. Uh, two two parents and eight kids from age 20 to eight. Right. Is that correct? So tell us about. Tell us, and you'll have to hold your mics up there close. But tell us about. Tell us about your family. Tell us about your kids, their names and their ages, maybe.
1: Yeah, that would be the best. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah, because I know them so well from all the doctor visits over so. um We have a son, Christopher, who's our firstborn, and he's uh, 20. He's over at UNC in, uh, in Greeley. We have Rachel. She's 17. She's a junior at Rocky. We have um, Hannah, who's uh, 15. And we have uh, Sarah, who's... 13, about to be 14. We have Miriam, who is uh, 11, about to be 12. And then we have Aaron, who's uh, 10, about to be 11. Everybody's on the way to the next one, so (laughs) if I say it wrong, they're going to be upset.
1: It matters.
0: And and, uh,
2: then we have um, Adam, who just turned 8, and Naomi turns 8 in about, oh, three weeks or so.
0: All right, so... Adam and Naomi are eight weeks apart.
2: They are eight weeks apart. And they asked to be, uh, we do- we adopted at two different times. So um, they asked to be honorary twins. So we said it was really okay. We didn't see any problem or anybody would get upset if we <laughs> yeah, made it okay.
0: That's good. Well, tell me about, you've adopted how many of your children?
2: Um, three of our children are adopted. Okay. Um, two with special needs.
0: Tell me about. The, the moment that that, that that was dropped in your heart? What was that like when you made that decision?
2: Well, I, um, we both had wanted to adopt, even knowing. We wanted a big family. We came from a couple of families that had some background that was just really, weren't your normal family and just a lot of issues and a lot of things to overcome. And so we knew when we got together we wanted a few kids. and. Yeah. Always wanted to adopt, but didn't think we'd ever be able to. And uh, we—I uh, remember, for me, uh, we were—I was sitting at the church over on Lemay, yeah. and uh, Pastor Derry had just done one of his uh, series, but he was talking about God being real. And I remember sitting in that pew thinking it would just be so neat if God were just to come down and just be real. And and it, I just it had a lot to do with making God real yeah. and. Uh, Right too long after that came the opportunity for us to kind of investigate the idea of adoption. and uh, it just was something for me that that just spoke volumes that God was very real because yeah. it, it was a matter of asking and being able to pursue something that's a dream. I mean, yeah a dream to adopt a child that for us was just a big, it was a big dream because we didn't think we'd be able to, but.
0: Wow. And how long ago was that?
2: Um, that was Aaron, and we got Aaron when he was one. He had just turned one, and he's nine, or he's actually 10 now, about to be 11. Don't want to get that wrong. <laughs> he's watching. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and where was Aaron born?
2: Aaron, all of our children were born in Seoul, South Korea, okay. in different parts of Seoul. Okay. But they are all from Korea.
0: Okay. And Dave, how how about you? Do you remember that process when it finally became real that you're going to take this step of faith and adopt a child?
1: I'd always loved children. And even when I was single, before I married my wife here, I uh, always had a dream of having children. And after our fifth one, just my heart was really ready to adopt. And Nancy and I knew we were going to adopt. I knew I wanted to adopt children when I was single. So for me, adoption was just an opportunity. But... uh, I remember, was it a kindergarten roundup when we first thought that it was possible? After Nancy hearing about Derry saying that God was real, here was a couple who adopted a child at this kindergarten roundup for I think it was Mim or Hannah or Sarah. I can't remember. I think
2: it was uh, I think it was Hannah.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, this couple looked very unlikely to have adopted a child. Yeah. And uh, I thought, said, sweet but, you know, we got to go talk to these people. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't look like your typical couple who could even, you know, either afford it or think about it or anything. Yeah. We talked to them, and mm-hmm. then we realized that it was time that we wow. tried, so we went to the same adoption mm-hmm. agency they went to, and lo and behold, there came Aaron. Yeah. He was wow. The first, yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. Now, you were sharing before service tonight, Nancy, you were sharing a great story about about when you decided and it kind of struck you to adopt again. Tell Um, us about that story.
2: We were, um, we got to do it this first time and and it was so so exciting to be able to do it and thought that was, it would never happen again. We'd never be with the opportunity. And in the mail one day came this pamphlet for the agency that we'd used and they were having a golf tournament. And (laughs) on the, Brochure was a picture of um, who we have known now as Adam, um, and here was this baby that they were holding, and he uh, he had one eye and um, half a nose and one ear. Had a little smile, just a really beautiful smile. And I looked at it and thought, Wow! I, I thought, Isn't that? I told my other kids were home, and I thought, Isn't that the most beautiful baby you've ever seen? And uh, I thought, we should call on him. And they said, Mom, you should call on him. So um, what I did was I picked the phone up and called the agency. And I remember getting on the phone with the lady that runs it. And I said, you know, I bet this baby's been taken. I'm sure he has a home. And um, she said, no. She said, Nancy, I won't get any calls on that baby. Mm -hmm. And... uh, Ha- you know, I just it just struck me, how come? You know, it just he was so beautiful. And I said, Well I'm calling, so you want to tell me about him? So she told me a little bit about him and she said, Now what does David say? And I said, Well I don't know. I better hang the phone up and I'll give him a call and we'll <laughs> so, so um I hung the phone up and then I called him and I said I now don't get mad at me because and he said, What did you buy? And I said, yeah, well, I, thought, I I should bought a couch or something
1: I said, I didn't
2: buy anything. I just, there's this baby. And I said, and he he said, is he cute? And I said, he's beautiful. And uh, it was the year that 9-11 happened. And uh, that was uh, about August. It was the fastest adoption we did. It was the very fastest one of all three. Um, We started, we actually met that weekend with the social worker was here from Korea at a picnic that they have annually at this uh, organiz- at this um, adoption agency, and she couldn't believe anybody would even inquire. By Monday, and we we kind of were arguing. I remember because we were arguing. He mm-hmm. said, "How are we going to afford this?" And I said, I- you know, what, we're going to figure it out. And he says, but we're already working two jobs a piece. How are we going to do this? And I said, well, that's really nothing to worry about. And I remember standing in our front yard. We do have some interesting conversations in the front yard. And um, But anyway, on Monday, the lady came over and said, you're never going to believe this. She said, I got a call from Korea, and they said that they want to drop some of the fees for his adoption. Wow. And... Uh, she said, they never do this. Wow. And so it was just three months later, I somehow ended up in the plane <laughs> going to Korea to get Adam.
1: She never left the country before. No, I, and I was wow. not
2: ever going to go to Hawaii because I don't like flying, and over water is really not something I wanted to do. <laughs> um, but I... I uh, and it was scary, too, because, like I said, 9-11 had happened. I left in, at the end of October to go to pick him up because either I had to go or a nurse had to go because Adam had a lot of health issues yeah. that, that we actually were unaware of. But it really didn't matter. You know, yeah. it, it, it never, ever, not once, entered our mind that yeah. we couldn't take care of him. Yeah. And, uh So anyway, so I I get on this plane, and by the time I got to Seattle, I kind of ran for the bathroom because I wasn't feeling so well, and got in the stall, and I sat there, and I just thought, God's got to get me on the plane to go over there because I'm not, I'm a chicken. I don't (laughs) like flying, and I was going to this country, and I really don't like Korean food, and I really, you know, had all these great reasons, and I got on this plane as the neatest experience I've ever had. Going to this country over there, there were these two women that came in to the airport the same night, were going to this agency to do intake work on all these children at this agency. Wow. And they were from Minneapolis, so I knew I had some communication. They'd been to Korea, oh, I bet 10, 15 times, you know. So wow. God really provided some someone there for me to kind of pair up with. And I remember seeing Adam for the first time. I only got to hold him for about 20 minutes because the foster mom was very possessive. Mm. Adam had um, been in the hospital the first six months of life because he he was really sick. Mm. And... uh, I just, I couldn't believe that this was, we were actually getting to do, we, and we've never really been apart, because we kind of always are together for some reason <laughs> or another. We don't, you know, we go to work, we don't really go places apart usually, so yeah. that was a real experience. Wow. But, we
1: even work one of our jobs together. Yeah, we do at night,
2: <laughs> But um, the neat thing that year was that it was the year that uh, the stimulus, one of the stimulus checks was coming, and we were planning on going to Colorado Springs for a little family vacation for the weekend. And when my kids saw the picture of Adam, they, de- they decided they didn't really need to go anywhere because that was worth taking that money. Because, you know, the money always comes into it somehow, and, and that's really unfortunate, yeah. but... But anyway, so we so we got Adam home, and, and I we finally kind of figured out why Adam came so fast because Adam was really sick. Adam wow. came with the colostomy bag. He came with uh, just he was nine months and nine pounds. Wow. He couldn't hold his head up. He was so little, wow. and. Uh, my walk down that road of hospitals was just beginning, and, and never ever would I have ever dreamed I'd be doing some of the stuff that we've done with Him. Wow. But boy, God's met us every step wow. of the way with, with Him. And Adam knows that. Yeah. There's not a time, no matter how hard it gets, that He doesn't say, you know, we're not alone. God's wow. with us. And He is, He's, he's with us every single time. Wow. It's huge with Him.
0: And he just had a, a pretty incredible surgery, right? He
2: did. Um, he's had a few, but in the fall, we planned on doing um, surgery. He didn't have a TMJ joint on one side. So the wonderful physicians we have down at Children's, they took a rib out and they made him a TMJ joint. But it was, um, they did that. They were going to, um, I'm just at a loss here of all the things. He was in surgery for 15 hours. Wow. That was the longest fifteen hours oh, I can't David imagine. was at work <laughs> of course because yeah. that's just you know it's, that's the hard part you know yeah. I'm the parent that gets to go a lot of the time and be with <sighs> them and comfort them and yeah. and learn the things that help to make it easier when they come home and you know Dave gets to sit in the truck yeah. at work and worry and you mm. know yeah. but but it anyway he he went through the surgery and then he ended up um, he got a tracheotomy at. In the surgery, and he also um,
1: got, a feeding tube. got
2: a feeding tube, which has been a real blessing. Um, they ended up not having to keep his mouth wired shut, but he really needed some extra nutrition. So the feeding tube is run a real blessing for Adam. Wow. Um, he's gained a, a little bit of weight where we've really struggled in the past, and
0: he's um, getting taller. He's too. Getting taller
2: <laughs> yeah, but. It was a tough surgery, and it was a tough recovery. We were at Children's almost five weeks. Wow. I ended up being gone, and uh, he had a really bad infection. Mm. And they told me that probably that bone that they had taken out of his rib cage would not be there when they went to look for it. But we went back in and... Uh, because did, of the infection. Because of the they infection. Said, yeah. They said it probably just devoured the bone. Wow. And... Um, so in January had to go back in and um, get he had to get something done. I can't remember what it was, just for a little day visit, and they did a, a scan on it. And uh, that bone just doing fine. <laughs> it's, it's growing. It's doing what it's supposed to do. Wow. It's still there. You know, I just the whole thought process of him having to go through that again was really hard. Yeah. Because you know it took a lot of courage. So. Wow. So that was, that was the fall. Yeah. We've had kind of a wild ride the last the last few months. Um, mm-hmm. But after Adam came along, you know, we were sitting um, in the judge's chamber and uh, doing our finalization of the adoption for Adam. And I looked over at the ladies that were from the agency that came, and I said, well, I have a question. I said, you don't have any cute little little girls that are special needs right now, do you? And they said, well, we do, and they're on the website, so they they said, you know, you can look at them on the website, and I thought, oh, boy, a minute we got home that night, I went to that website. Sure enough, there were these little little children on there, there was the cutest little girl, and now, her name is Naomi, and uh, she was on our refrigerator for the longest time. I thought, we can't do this again. I know. Yeah. He's going to have a cow if I tell him <laughs> that we want to do this you're again. are going to be talking and, in the front yard again. And I'm going to be, yeah, we're going to be having this meeting in the front yard. That, that's not gonna, and, and so I put her picture on the refrigerator, and I thought, I go to Children's. I've got this all planned out. I go to Children's a lot. I'm going to take this picture because, you know, those doctors down there have to be well off. And there's got to be somebody that can take care of her because Naomi has kyphoscoliosis. And I thought, she's too cute not to have a husband and a, and a bunch of kids and a family. And I thought, this is going to be easy. Mm-hmm. The longest time, that picture went with me down the children's all the time. And I'd show it. I think I showed it to a couple people in the waiting room even different times. And nobody, they said she was cute. And, but Naomi was almost two then. And I knew Naomi's shelf life
1: was yeah.
0: getting short. Yeah.
2: And I thought, she's just really too cute. So we were going to a fundraiser for the agency. <laughs> the we had Adam in the car. <laughs> we were headed down there. And I said, you know, Dave, maybe we're the somebodies we've been praying that would find Naomi. Maybe wow. we're the people that need to have her. So we went into this, this fundraiser and, and sought out this lady that ran the agency and said, you know, we'd really like to have her, but we just don't have the money to get her here. Yeah. And uh, she shortly said, before
1: that, you have to realize that uh, Pastor Derry had done a sermon on getting out of your comfort zone.
2: Yeah. Oh, I, I forgot about that one. <laughs> and so, so this sweet Korean woman who had been so kind to us, you know, with our other kids. Yeah. She said, oh, let me just Let me just think about it or do whatever. She went off and did something. It wasn't 10, 15 minutes later she came back and she said, Someone donate stock. Someone donated some stock. Wow. And uh, so now um, that just made it easy to do. And Naomi was our longest adoption. She took a while because kind of when you get to the middle or to the end of a year, the visas start running Mm -hmm. out. And uh, so we got Naomi. She was two okay and and she was a little hard because you gotta think at two years old if you're living with a foster family and all of a sudden you go get on a plane and you go with somebody and you get dumped in this family where there's a bunch of kids and a mom and a dad, and where did that other family go? So she grieved for quite a while. She didn't like me at all. She just (laughs) really did not like me. And she would, at the end of the day, when the kids came home from school, she would go hang with them. And by the time Dave could get home, she would find him. Hmm. She had nothing to do with me. Wow. Nothing. Wow. But she's kind of come around mm-hmm. since. And Not to mention that,
1: too, she spoke pretty pretty good Korean, yeah, so we, we had, 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 a, had little a little bit, a few bit words. of a learning curve there.
0: Wow. Yeah. Oh.
2: yeah, we had to uh, learn a few words. But yeah. Anyway.
0: And she, she's had her share of medical challenges. Well,
2: yeah, she did. But before we get to was I was telling you earlier yeah. that it was just, Not this Christmas, but the Christmas past. I remember sitting at the candlelight service in here and reflecting about the year. And we had taken her to get tested to do the surgery on her back. And they had told us it probably wasn't going to work because she has a herniated spinal cord. And it was too big of a risk. And I remember sitting back here thinking, you know, it's been a great year, but, you know, this is kind of sad. Yeah. It's kind of not good, but but I but I kept thinking too that we weren't going to give up because I to, and I even told her that I said we don't give up we 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 will keep at it and that says no for today but it doesn't mean no for tomorrow because these doctors are pretty intelligent and God gives them this intelligence every so often. To think of something new, yeah. maybe it's going to help. Yeah. And and I said so. But she's a she's kind of a real independent person, and kind of always reminding us. Cause she'd come up and we'd be getting ready to go somewhere, and she would just put her hand on her hip and she'd just look at me and she'd get real exasperated and say, "You know, I can't be a princess if I don't have a straight back."
1: Wow. And remind us
2: all the time that she really needed this to be handled. And we were really constantly looking and we tried to explain to her that she was too special to just let anybody do it until we felt comfortable but then it wasn't later it wasn't but february of last year Mm -hmm. that we then on my email got this message from this hospital that we'd had her tested out in san antonio and they said we'll do surgery at high risk of spinal cord damage during surgery What would you like to do? And that's all it said. And I thought, there's no way. We're not doing that. (laughs) And then I cried because I thought, this is hopeless. It's not going to work. And then we kind of looked at each other and Dave says, you know, we can't really live in fear. And I thought, you know, you're right. We can't live in fear. People who live in fear don't live. Mm. They just kind of go through things and um, this woman across the street from us this past year had just passed away. She lived in fear all the time. She didn't go out in her yard because there were bugs. She didn't go out. This, she had her blinds closed. She was a very reclusive and I remember thinking about her, thinking that's not, that's not the way to live. So, so Dave and I pulled Naomi aside and we sat her on our bed and we said, we've got this message today." And they said that they could do the surgery, but the one problem is is that you might come out of it and you might not be able to walk again. And that's a, that's a decision that's hard to make. So do you have any, Do you? what do you think? And she said, well, let me think about it for a minute. <laughs>
0: she's and how old?
2: She she's, was only six. years. Let me think about it. <laughs> let me think about it for a minute. And she just kind of sat there and bobbed her head and she goes, Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and so we were kind of thinking, well, okay. So we set it up. And so in, in uh, July, she and I, and we got to, I got to take our, one of our older daughters, Hannah, with me. And we traveled to San Antonio, and she had this surgery done. And wow. she woke up, and she was ready to get off that ventilator. And she was ready to get up and wanted to be held and picked up. And wow. she was she was really straight. Her back does this, you
1: know, and
2: she shoulders her straight. It worked out. So every six months now she has to go and get what's called an expansion. And so um, she'll do that till she's about 17. What they
1: did is they put implants in her that are moving implants so that as she grows they can expand them to help keep her back straight as she grows. Uh
0: Now she just had quite Mm -hmm. an adventure with you, Dave, recently. Can you... Tell us just a little bit about that experience.
1: I'll try to be brief and <laughs> to the point. But On January 21st, we had uh, our first expansion surgery and it was my turn to go to the hospital. <laughs> my first time, but that whole experience, usually wife here gets to do all that, but it was my first real experience at going. So on the 21st, she had her surgery, and on the 22nd, she would seem to be doing fine. Everything was doing very well and they seemed to be breathing all right so the uh, they let us go home on the 22nd. Well, we got on the plane and everything seemed to be fine. It was a two-legged journey. We were going to go from San Antonio to Phoenix to Denver to get home.
2: You've you got to tell them about why because we had to wait to book the tickets for oh, Naomi just before her because of RSV and the wintertime kids yeah. are uh-huh. susceptible to RSV and she had to have a, a clear RSV test. And so the day that we could buy the tickets is the day the price of the tickets doubled. And so... <laughs> We once again had one of those conversations, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Out and in the, and front the front yard. Well, it was a little cold in the front yard, but, yeah. but it was a conversation nevertheless. Yeah. And, uh, and so I booked them a flight on U.S. Airways because they were the most reasonable that we could afford.
1: Yeah. And. But that involved two yeah. legs rather than a nonstop flight. And that's flight.
2: there, but for for a little bit later information, it it was interesting.
1: Yeah. So. Anyway, we got on the plane, and everything seemed to be fine. We got up to altitude, and the reason that I remember this is because the pilot had just announced over the loudspeaker we were cruising at 36,000 feet, and we have an hour and 16 minutes left in the flight. And I looked over at Naomi, and she'd been kind of, you know, restless and then sleeping, and then woke up and had a drink and then was sleeping. And it was so funny because the stewardess had walked by, and just casually. I said, do you have oxygen on board the plane? She said, other than the emergency oxygen that comes down, she goes, oh yeah, we have a bottle back here in the back in case an emergency happens. I didn't think anything of it. And I turned to look back at Naomi, and uh, she had gone into respiratory arrest, which was, uh, here we were at 36,000 feet in the jet midway between Phoenix and San Antonio. And, uh, you know, everybody has their jobs that they do. We all go to work every day, and Don't ever realize that your job might involve saving someone else's life, but uh, the pilots were heroes. They got us down from 36,000 feet to uh, El Paso, Texas, in about 12 minutes. Wow. And uh, thank God for that. They were the heroes, I think. Um, I never thought in all my days I would be... I, I was a ski patroller for six years, so I took a lot of CPR courses and first aid courses and winter mountaineering and all that stuff, but I never in my whole life imagined that I would be having to give my own child rescue breaths and wow. CPR, and I was very fortunate that uh, there was a doctor on board who uh, kind of took care of her heart while I was taking care of her breathing, and uh, so we ended up in El Paso, Texas for four days.
0: Wow. <laughs> Oh, my. And, and the, the whole key with the U.S. Airways yeah. is that it that in it, because of those two legs, they were able to, to land in El Paso.
1: That's right. Yeah. You know, God is so mysterious in knowing, you know, we always have a snapshot and God always knows the beginning, the end and everything in the middle. Wow. And without uh, us being where we were when we were there and the pilots knowing where to go and how to get down really fast, I think that the outcome would have been a lot different.
2: But, yeah. the, but the neat thing was that the doctor in the emergency room that followed them through intensive care worked some, some days of the month in El Paso, but he was also involved in the titanium rib project in, in San, San Antonio, Antonio. <laughs> and knew all about rib kids and knew all about what to do with her and what not to do with her. When he was trying to take care wow. of her, so had he not had he not been on that plane and been on another airline, they'd never even gone anywhere near El Paso, wow. you know. So what a blessing that was for yeah. for for us
1: for I her. Just, I just got to say, reflecting back, especially in the song that we sang tonight, that uh, as a father, getting a chance to watching your the life of one of your children slip away and giving and God being able to give you the chance to help bring her back I can't imagine what God thought while Jesus was on the cross and he couldn't do anything Mm -hmm. he had to stand and watch his son die I mean I got such a wonderful opportunity to help and got a second chance at watching my daughter come back and she was pretty lifeless when I picked her up her eyes were fixed Mm -hmm. and dilated and she was barney purple and it was uh, really amazing
0: wow Well, I think I think you should get to see these great Mm -hmm. kids. They're with us tonight, and uh, so can they come up here? I think they've got some help. I saw Candace here. Would you just? Okay, introduce hi. us to, to everyone, to all of them.
1: Well, we'll start out with Adam here. Hi, Adam. Can you say hi?
0: Hi. And this is Aaron here. Hi.
1: And over here we have Sarah. Hi. And Miriam. Hi. Hannah.
0: Hi. And Naomi. Hi. <laughs> oh, you know,
1: We have a wonderful family here, but I, I just have to say that without the wonderful sacrifice of my children. We probably couldn't have made all this possible. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the adopted children, adoption to us just means that we've expanded our family. Yeah. And in our expanded family, without the sacrifice of my children, you know, we don't have the fanciest things and a lot of what we have came to us in gifts from friends and and loved ones who help us along the way. Yeah. We are a family because mm. of the sacrifice of our kids. Too. Wow. <laughs>
0: Oh wow. I'm very proud of him ah, you have reason to be thank you all of you for, for living brave oh. in the way of Jesus amen. Oh. amen would you give him one more big round of applause oh thank you guys oh so much bless you oh man thank you guys oh, oh. thank you guys so much bless your heart <laughs> Thank you, sweetie. Ah, bless you. Thank you, buddy. Oh. Bless you, guys. Bye, bye. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh wow. Well, we are going to. Uh, you know what? And this is fine. I don't need that. We're going to receive communion together. And uh, what a what a great segue into. Celebrating together what Jesus has done for us. And I just think about what God was willing to do in order to adopt us as His own. He chose us. If you were here when we talked last fall about in our series in 1 John, we talked about the fact that God reconciled us to Himself. He didn't reconcile us just to tolerate us. He reconciled us to be His kids. To be His own. He chose us. He chose you. And maybe you're here tonight. I know Wednesday nights, usually this service is made up of people who have made a commitment to follow Jesus. And and our focus is to grow in that walk with Him. But if you're here tonight and you've never trusted your life to Him, I just want you to know, whether you realize it or not, He's chosen you. He's chosen you from the very beginning to be His. He chooses to adopt you if you'll just receive it and just allow Him to. And and that's what, in communion, we remember, we celebrate the sacrifice He's made so that He could say to us, you're mine, you're my own. And so if the ushers would come at this time, we're going to receive our uh, emblems together. I almost said the offering, we already did that. But I often forget the offering, so... I just want you to let God speak to your heart. Tonight, especially, about, about what it means to be His. That you're His child. That He loves you with a Father's heart that's perfect. Some of you, that's tough. Because maybe your earthly father did not demonstrate traits that, that are very pleasant to you. I want you to know that God's Father heart is a perfect Father's heart. And he chooses you. He, he didn't get stuck with you. He chose you. He wanted you. So much so that he gave his son. And so as these emblems are distributed, we're going to worship together. Hold them till everyone's been served. We ask that you just have a relationship with God through Jesus to receive communion. You don't have to be a member here. If you're not comfortable receiving communion, you can let it pass. But maybe this is a moment where you, for the first time, say, God, I want to know your Father's heart. And I'll pray with you before we receive these emblems together. So hold them till everyone's been served, and then I'll come back and we'll receive them together. I'm going to read something to you before we receive these emblems. It's from Ephesians. Paul writes these words, Ephesians chapter 1. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace which He has freely given us in the one He loves. He chose us. According to His pleasure and His will, He adopts us as His own. Will you join me as we say thank you? Lord Jesus, we hold the bread and we hold the cup with humility, overwhelmed by Your love, filled with gratitude. As we do this tonight in remembrance of You, we recall the sacrifice that You so freely made so that we could be adopted, so that we could be reconciled, so that that crimson stain of sin left in our lives could be washed as white as snow. Thank You for allowing Your body to be broken and Your blood to be shed so that we could have life as, as our friend tonight who was baptized announced. Thank You for breaking those chains, for freeing us giving us new life. Thank you for those eight people who tonight went under the water recognizing that they died a self and an old way of life and came out of the water alive new, to new life in you. Thank you for making a way for us. We do this in remembrance of you proclaiming your death and all that it means to us until you come. Let's receive the bread together. And now the cup. Thank you, Jesus, for paying it all. For giving your all. We thank you and we love you. And we respond to you, Lord, in worship, which is the offering of our lives to you. Really, our response of worship is to live brave in your eyes because it's to walk in obedience to you. Speak to our hearts, I pray, in Jesus' name. Before you go, I just want to mention to you, next Wednesday, we are going to kind of have our finale, our wrapping up this series, and then we'll move into something else. And I just really want to encourage you to come and be a part of our service next week. There's an interview that we're going to do that, um, that, that you don't want to miss. And so I hope that you'll make plans to be here with us and to, to really contemplate what God has put into your heart and life about living brave. And next week's going to be a special time. I also hope you can come this weekend as we continue our series in Timothy and looking at his life, about his life and learning and growing. I love you. God bless you. We have a prayer team that would love to meet with you and pray with you. If you have needs in your life, that's why they're here. That's their ministry, their gifts. So come and let them pray for you. Otherwise, you can consider yourself dismissed. God bless you as you go.